Welcome to the Wonder by the Word podcast, where we walk through the Bible chronologically in a year. I'm your host, Brittany Rust, and on this podcast, I break down our daily readings from the Wonder by the Word reading plan and community so that we can all have better theology and grow in our faith. In case you're just now finding us, the Wonder by the Word plan can be found on version or on my website. Wonder by the Word is sponsored by Truth and Grace Ministries. Learn more at BrittanyRust.com. Hello and welcome to day 62 of the Wonder by the Word podcast and reading plan. We are nearing the end of numbers, but we are not quite there. We'll finish that up next week. Today we are looking at chapters 25 through 28. Now yesterday we took a look at the people of Israel starting to take some ground on the way to Canaan. As we get to chapter 25, you hope at this time that the new generation, having found success at God's hands in overcoming their enemies, would be a bit more resolved in their commitment to God. Yet we see further rebellion. In fact, they take their sin further by worshiping a false god, something that had not been done since they left Egypt. After the incident with King Balak of Moab, which we looked at yesterday, the king went his own way and he dropped his intention of cursing Israel. At least, that's how it seems. However, the people of Moab began to mingle with the Israelites. The women specifically, it says, enticed the men of Israel in both sexual immorality and idolatry. God's people began to worship Baal, Baal being a Canaanite fertility god. We read about him a little bit yesterday with Balak and Balaam. In fact, the word that is used to describe the way that Israel acting is harlot. It's used to describe the Israelites who begin to yoke themselves to this false god. That word yoke being like a partnership, right? So they're partnering with this idolatry and this evil. And we'll learn in chapter 30 that it was actually the council of Balaam that caused this intermingling. Remember, we thought that he left the scene, but 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15 speaks of Balaam as the man who loved the wages of unrighteousness. And Revelation chapter 2, verse 14 makes this connection between Balaam's attempt to curse Israel, which was unsuccessful, and the subsequent idolatry. So there's a connection here, right? Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. This is, so at some point, you know, things didn't go the way that Balak had wanted and Balaam gave him, thought is some advice. Now the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, understandably. According to one commentator, this is literally a reddening of his nose a metaphor used to describe this this flash of rage. And we learn later in the chapter that the anger of the Lord showed itself in a plague that began to strike down people in Israel. In addition to this, those who participated in the rebellion were to die. God commanded the people to hang those who had committed this idolatry. But then we see this, we, we sort of like zoom in, we see an individual story play out. A man of Israel and a Midianite woman were together near the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So this is a more of like a blatant display of the 
this intermingling, right? And Eleazar, who is the priest now, he has a son named Phineas. And Phineas sees this and he grabs a spear and he impales the couple, leading to the plague ceasing among the people. And in the end, about 24,000, in the end, 24,000 people did die. And the text tells us that God was pleased with Phineas. He was pleased with his zeal. So God blessed Phineas with the promise that he would be the descendant of Aaron through which the priesthood would continue. It would be passed through his bloodline. After the death of so many in the congregation, we're in chapter 26 now, God commands Moses and Eleazar to take a census of the people. Now, the last time they took one was in Exodus chapters one through three in the early days after the Exodus. So it had been a while. Now, the purpose of this second census was to count those who were able to fight on behalf of Israel. This was for the military organization that they were going to need as they, you know, began to prepare for moving into the promised land. Now, in the first census, Israel counted 603,550 men ready for war. This is just the men, the fighting men. This is now 38 years later, and they counted 601,730 men, which meant there's a loss of 1,820 men. But essentially, the numbers remain about the same over this course of being in the wilderness. Now, Numbers chapter 26, uh, verses 64 and 65, towards the end of the chapter, it makes it clear that the generation of unbelief had passed, that not one remained from that generation at this point. None of those counted in the first census were counted in the second. That was the old generation, the generation of unbelief who perished in the wilderness. That is with the exception of exception of Joshua and Caleb. We know they'll go into the promised land, but remember, we were told that that generation would die off from 20 and over. And now you have this new generation that's risen up. And so now we know at this point that everyone has died off, except we know Moses is still there, but he's not going to enter the promised land. And the only ones who will move forward will be Joshua and Caleb. And then at the end of the chapter, God mentions land distribution, which we'll get into more in a later chapter. In chapter 27, we see an interesting case of inheritance, likely because God just talked about land distribution. And so this is on the people's mind. Now, this time, if a man died, his inheritance would go to his sons. But in this case specifically, a man dies with no sons, yet he has five daughters. Zelophehad, it's the daughters of Zelophehad. And these five daughters petitioned Moses for the inheritance since there was no sons. And Spurgeon likens this, this, these daughters of Zelophehad as examples of those who boldly approach to receive an inheritance by faith. And there's this idea that God is pleased with their request. But going back, Moses, you know, they bring this request to Moses and Moses brings us before the Lord. And God says that the inheritance does belong to the daughters. And it's an interesting story that, again, I liken back to what Spurgeon said about this example of those who boldly approach to receive an inheritance of faith. There's something that's pleasing there. 
Next, we see the account of leadership of the account of the leadership mantle passing from Moses to Joshua, beginning in verse 12. Now remember, Moses sinned when he struck the rock twice rather than speaking to it. And as a result, he would not be able to enter the promised land. Now that they're close, God is beginning to prepare Moses and Joshua and the people for the coming transition. Now Moses won't die yet, but God does instruct him to take Joshua and have Joshua stand before Eleazar the priest, along with the whole assembly, and to commission Joshua in the sight of all. And so until the passing of Moses, there were some months of shared leadership and responsibility here in this brief transitional period. Now the following two chapters, which we're really only looking at 28 today, but they detailed the sacrificial system God instituted as a part of the covenant made with the, with Israel Mount Sinai. Now God is going to talk about sacrifices for feasts and occasions that were previously commanded, but really there was little detail given on what specific offerings should be made in honor of these occasions. Israel needed God during these times. And these offerings were an expression of this. And that's where we're going to leave off today. We'll continue to pick up on the sacrificial system in chapter 29. But remember, tomorrow is a catch-up day. So there won't be an episode, but take your time. Catch up on anything that maybe you got behind on this week. Or use tomorrow as a time to go over a passage that, you know, really minister to you this week. And then we'll continue the next day at our look at numbers. And then we'll actually finish numbers next week and start Deuteronomy. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to Wonder by the Word. We are so grateful that you are here and I really pray that this episode left you with nuggets of wisdom that you learned something new, maybe it challenged you, but ultimately that it encouraged you and inspired you to dive even deeper into the richness of scripture. If the ministry of truth and grace or wonder by the word, the reading plan, the episode, all the resources have impacted you in any way, would you please mind leaving a review, um, sharing this podcast with your friends, all of those little pieces of sharing and encouragement from your part go a long way to help the podcast get into further hands around the world so people can dive into scripture, engage with scripture on a more regular basis. You can also find us on Patreon, which would be a huge benefit to the ministry. And we just thank you so much for being a supporter. We'll see you next time.